What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, it's some very early thoughts ahead of the game week 22 deadline. Obviously, we've only had half of the games for game week 21 played so far. So I'm primarily going to focus on players that were involved in those games and talk about their future prospects. Are they worth taking out or are they worth even bringing into our teams as well? So if you enjoyed the video, make sure to give it a like, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and let's jump into it. All right, let's start with Kevin De Bruyne. Just another player to add to the list of those that have made me look stupid this season. After I said, I didn't really understand why people were buying him for game week 21. It wasn't likely that he was going to start. And then he comes off the bench. He gets a goal and an assist and looked incredible. And I know we all know that Kevin De Bruyne is a brilliant player. But when they haven't played for a while, you sometimes need that little reminder. And he is great. And when he does get minutes, he is going to get attacking returns, right? You don't need me to tell you that. I still stand by the fact it's not good FPL strategy to buy players that don't start. I know the last couple of games that De Bruyne hasn't played, he's come off the bench and got returns. That won't continue, right? At some point, you will need him to be in that first 11 at the beginning of the game. If that doesn't happen, I don't think he's someone that's good to buy. Now, whether that's going to happen by the time we get to Burnley at home, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the FA Cup. Does he come off the bench again? What does Pep Guardiola say? What does Kevin De Bruyne say as well? Because it's almost like mixed messaging. Like Pep said he's ready to start before the Newcastle game, and he didn't. And De Bruyne said he doesn't expect to start games anytime soon. So if I'm going into game week 22 and it doesn't look like he's going to start against Burnley, I'd find it really difficult to... Yeah, I'd find it really difficult to buy him, right? It just isn't good FPL strategy to buy players that don't start. And I guess you've got to think of overall how he fits into most people's FPL scores. Now, at the moment, Trent's injured, Salah's away at African Cup of Nations, Haaland's not back. It's really easy to fit De Bruyne into our squads. But later on, when we might want some of those players back, it might then get a little bit more difficult. So in my squad, I've got Trent and Salah. I could easily get to De Bruyne as well. But what happens when I need to get Haaland back? Well, I could sell Salah, of course. And if he's away at African Cup of Nations for a long time, that's perfectly fine to do. But what if I want Salah for the double in 25 as well, as long as Liverpool go through in the Carabao Cup semi-finals? So I think coming out of game week 21, a lot of people are now looking at it that De Bruyne is absolutely essential. And I've got to be honest, when I was watching him play, I was thinking, how do I get him into my side? But now a few days have passed. I'm just thinking, do I really need him? Like at this point, I think I'm more likely to buy someone like Phil Foden instead of De Bruyne. I'm not sure I'm going to buy either of them, to be honest, before game week 22. But I just think with the starts that Foden's getting and the money that he costs, which will make it easier to get those other players down the line, maybe De Bruyne is just not worth, or not the one worth going for. I think one thing it's worth thinking about as well is him as an individual FPL option, obviously good as long as he plays, but he also provides a boost to that overall Man City team. So I'm sat there with Alvarez in my team, and he hasn't been great, right? He's been a little bit frustrating, but the longer that Haaland is not available, then Alvarez continues to be a good option. He's going to play up front on penalties, but also when you've got De Bruyne behind you, you're more likely to get those chances as well. So I think he gives an overall boost to Man City. We should consider that when we're looking at their players. But of course, he reduces the minutes of other players as well. So there's lots of things to think about here. This is obviously only early thoughts. There's lots more games to come before we have to make any decisions ahead of game week 22. But I would say as it stands, I don't really have any plans to buy De Bruyne because I know when I get to that double in 25, if Man City and Liverpool are both doubling, 
and everyone's available, I'm definitely going to want Salah and Haaland. And I think when I have those two players, it then makes it difficult to get De Bruyne in. So it was another goal at the weekend for Richarlison. That's now six in his last six matches. So he's in great form at the moment and he's going to be really popular ahead of game week 22. And I think in the short term, Spurs fixtures actually look pretty good. So they got three home games in the next four game weeks, which is Brentford at home in game week 22, Brighton at home in 24, and Wolves at home in game week 25. And the other fixture is Everton away in 23. So that fixture run isn't too bad. Uh, and I think that is the key for Richarlison. In the short term, he is a good option. Longer term, it's a little bit up in the air. I would say that a lot of people that already own Richarlison are probably making plans to potentially take him out by game week 26 because that could be a blank game week. 29 could be as well, and I'll come on to that in a minute. But also his minutes longer term could go down as well. Now, just to kind of clarify this point, I don't for one second think that Richarlison is going to lose that spot as the first choice number nine right now. Even if Son was suddenly available, I think there's a chance they would keep the front three set up that they were playing before Son went away, where Son was on the left and Richardson was through the middle. Because one, he's playing that role really well right now, six goals in six, but he's also doing a lot of the non-traditional number nine work really well too. If you watch that game against Man United, he was pressing the defenders, he kept winning the ball back as well, which was great for Spurs, not so much for Man United. But I think that will please and Postacoglu, and it, I think he would find it difficult to take him out of that starting position. So that's not my worry. I just think his overall minutes could go down. Those early substitutions could happen because obviously you have Madison back soon, so he's going to play centrally. That pushes Kulisewski back to the right. So then Brennan Johnson presumably will go to the bench. When Son is back, Werner goes to the bench as well. So you've got Son, Richarlison, Kulisewski front three. But when Ange Postacoglu wants to make changes off the bench, if someone like Werner comes on, it's probably going to be to play on the left. And will it be Son off? Or will Son go centrally and Richarlison comes off? Obviously, Brennan Johnson in the mix as well. So I think right now things look pretty good for Richarlison. And while Son is away and Madison's not fit, I think he'll be on penalties as well. But that could soon change in terms of overall minutes. I think for 6.9 million, as long as he keeps starting, that's probably enough. But you'd want him to play kind of 80 to 90 minutes most matches instead of coming off like 60 to 70, which could start happening in the medium to longer term. The other thing as well, like I said, is possible fixture postponements. If Chelsea beat uh, Middlesbrough in the Carabao Cup semi-final, then that game will be off. And if one of Fulham or Spurs gets to the FA Cup quarterfinals, um, their game in 29 would be off as well. So all of a sudden, I mean, that fixture run doesn't look too bad as it stands. But you could have two blanks longer term and reduced minutes as well. I, I basically think with Richardson, the longer you leave it to buy him, the worse of an option he becomes because you get closer and closer to those games possibly being off. I mean, for what it's worth, we will know by game week 22 whether that match in game week 26 is on or not. So I guess you can just make the decision now, uh, then. But I think he is just a short-term option. Like, if you don't buy him in 22, I don't, I'm not sure you can buy him in kind of 23 just for those three good fixtures, but then possibly losing those minutes longer term and maybe not having that um, game in 26 as well. So I've just bought him in, right, for 21. So I do think he's a good option, like I said, in the short term. Um, but I'm not sure... If, if that fixture's off in 26, I would question whether it's a good time to buy him. You might have missed the boat. But let's see what happens in the cup fixtures. We can come back to this maybe when we get closer to the game week 22 deadline.
All right, let's stick to Spurs and talk about Pedro Porro next. The Man United game was another one where Spurs conceded, and yet Porro walks out of the game with six points because he got an assist for Richarlison's goal. And because he creates so many chances, takes so many set pieces, he also picked up two bonus as well. So there aren't too many defenders in FPL that will concede twice and still walk away with six points. And he did similar against Brighton in game week 19. Spurs conceded four times in that game, and he still came away with five points so on the one hand that's a good thing but on the other you really do need those clean sheets to consistently get those big scores because as good as Poro is and we're all expecting that 12 15 18 pointer at some point this season his highest score so far after 21 game weeks is eight points against Nottingham Forest in game week 17 he then got two against Everton five against Brighton two against Bournemouth and six against Man United, which isn't bad, and he has been pretty consistent, and it is nice to get those attacking returns. But is he? He's definitely not essential going forward. And I'm kind of in two minds because, on the one hand, there aren't a huge amount of defenders getting consistent big scores. Obviously, Trent's injured at the moment. Trippier has kind of fallen off a cliff in terms of um, big FPL returns. That might change from game week 23 onwards because the fixtures are a lot better for Newcastle. But right now, it's not happening. So having someone like Porro on your side is pretty great. But when you look at the fixtures they've got coming up, okay, for an attacker, they're pretty good. But Brentford have obviously got Tony back now. We'll see how he performs uh, in game week 21 because Brentford haven't played their game yet. Everton away is going to be tough for a clean sheet. Brighton is never an easy game for a clean sheet either. And then like Richarlison, that game in 26 might be off as well. So I think for anyone that owns Pedro Porro, you're probably not looking to bench him, of course. You're going to play him for those... Um, next four games you're going to hope for those attacker returns and maybe the old clean sheet as well but then he might blank in 26 and then he might be someone that has to be sold like i don't want to sell him from my own team but it might be something that has to happen later on so i think if you're an owner it's pretty easy just hold on to him for a non-owner though again it's that question of whether this is the right time to bring him in i mean man city for example have got burnley at home this week and a double in 25 would it be worth going for someone like carl walker instead i mean when you say it out loud it doesn't sound anywhere near as exciting because Walker doesn't tend to get as many attack and returns, but it might be the more sensible play. So I really like Par. I'm glad that I own him. I also think it's big that they've got some of their defenders back. Like Spurs are starting to get a bunch of players back to fitness. So Doggy, uh, Van de Ven and Romero all played. I think Van de Ven went off with a bit of a knock. I'm not sure how bad that was, but obviously they've signed a backup for centre-back as well. So it's not like they're going to be playing... Ben Davies and Emerson Royale centre-back all the time. So I think in general, Spurs might be a little bit improved. But they haven't had good defensive stats for most of this season. But I was pretty confident that Man United were going to score one or two goals in that game. I think going forward, the clean sheets are just not a consistent thing that we can expect. So although Porro is going to get those attacking returns along the way... They might not be any big scores in there unless they can obviously get the clean sheet in the same game. So I think he's good for 5.8 million i don't think it's the worst transfer in if you want a new defender especially when like i said there's a lack of other really great ones right now but i'm not sure there's a huge amount of clean sheets coming up and if they do blank in 26 i would say hold on to him if you've got him but i'm not sure about bringing him in right now so it was another blank at the weekend for ollie watkins that means that he's only returned in two of the last seven game weeks and that consistency that we've come to expect from him this season just hasn't really been there recently and it's caused some people to question whether he should even be in our squads anymore. Is it worth getting rid of him? I've seen some people say that he only scores when he's not in our team. I even saw one comment that said that 23-pointer against Brighton 
ages ago now kind of panicked us a little bit and that's the only reason we kind of still have him in our squads i think most of those things are unfair i still look at watkins as a pretty solid option um moving forward yes he hasn't done or, or yes he hasn't got a huge amount of returns recently but i think if you look at the the games that they've had i mean the last five games it's are everton away burnley at home man united away sheffield united at home and brentford away and he's returning two of the last five so it's all about how you frame it um, there was a nine-pointer against Brentford, the eight-pointer against Burnley. And the two games before that were against Arsenal and Man City. And they're both really good defences. So I don't even really worry about them too much. And I think if you look at it as two returns in the last five, that doesn't sound quite as bad. And when you look at the upcoming fixtures, I think they're pretty good for Aston Villa. Those next six game weeks on paper are decent. I mean, Newcastle at home in 22, Man United at home in 24, you know, on paper are probably the most difficult ones. And they are in the short term. But Newcastle are not defending that well at the moment. They also haven't been great most of the season away from home. And Villa have been pretty strong at home. Similar with Man United. I know United have just beaten Aston Villa in the reverse fixture. But Villa still scored. And that Man United defence is not very good. And then outside of that, you've got Sheffield United away, Fulham away, Forest at home, and Luton away. So he might only have two returns in the last seven. But I'd look at that as two in the last five. Because City and Arsenal are tough games. And the next six game weeks all look pretty good i think my general point would be there is no need to force ollie watkins out of your side he's still a really good option going forward one player that i see coming up in conversation a little bit now is ivan tony who will be back for brentford's game in game week 21 that hasn't been played yet and look if he goes and gets a brace in that game he's going to be really popular very quickly especially because brentford double in 25 but i don't think there's necessarily a rush to make that switch and by the time we get to the 22 deadline I suspect that most people's priority transfers will not to be to get rid of Ollie Watkins. The only, not the only thing, but the one interesting thing to take into account is the FA Cup results. Um, and last night, there was an interesting result, which was West Ham losing to Bristol City. So West Ham are now out of the FA Cup. And if we go to game week 29, which I know is a long way away, um, West Ham are playing Aston Villa at home. And Arsenal are playing Chelsea at home. And Arsenal and West Ham are both out of the FA Cup. And Chelsea play Aston Villa in the fourth round. So if Villa go out and Chelsea win, that means West Ham and Aston Villa game in 29 will definitely be on. I mean, the Arsenal-Chelsea game could still end up being on if Chelsea lose in the fifth round. But I'm not going to get into that right now. But for the fourth round, if Chelsea beat Villa, then this game, West Ham versus Aston Villa, will remain on. And suddenly you know in what will be the biggest blank game week of the season that Ollie Watkins will play. And therefore, he's probably someone worth keeping hold of. Likewise, if Villa beat Chelsea, right, and it's Arsenal versus Chelsea that's on, and West Ham versus Villa could be off, it might mean that later on you sell Ollie Watkins instead. But I personally would rather have that information before I start making any decisions. For my team, I've got Watkins and Saka. One of those two players is going to play in 29. And that will probably dictate which one of them I sell. And I know we've got to take into account how they're playing, form, and all that stuff that people um, kind of think about. But for me, if they're playing and I've got other players that aren't, then they have to be the priority to get rid of, first of all. So I wouldn't make any rash decisions on Watkins. And for now, I'm definitely going to hold on to him. Do you know what's gone a little bit under the radar? Over the last seven game weeks, Marcus Rashford has more attack and returns than Ollie Watkins. Now, of course, I am framing that to make Rashford sound better because if you go back further than seven game weeks, we know that Watkins has absolutely smashed Rashford this season. His underlying stats are a lot better as well. 
But since Rashford's come back into the team, he's actually done pretty well. So he got the goal against Spurs, goal against Forest, and an assist against Aston Villa over the last three game weeks. Then if you look at the previous four game weeks to make up that seven uh, game week span that I was talking about, he didn't even start. But he is back in the first 11. Now, I am not for one second saying that everyone watching this video needs to rush out and buy Marcus Rashford. You watching this video right now that is asking why I'm even talking about him, you do not need to buy him. But for anyone that likes to play the game a little bit differently and wants a massive differential, Rashford is back in the starting 11. He is playing on his favoured left side. And he has got three attack and returns in his last three games. And for that reason, you could at least consider him a little bit if you like playing the game differently. For everyone else, he's probably not worth looking at because my main worry with United is that consistency in creating chances and getting those goals, essentially. Because looking back over the last... Let's go back to game week 15, right? Man United played really well against Chelsea, then lost to Bournemouth, drew against Liverpool, lost to West Ham. They played pretty well against Villa, then they lost to Forest. They did get two goals against Spurs, which obviously wasn't too long afterwards. Then you look at the next few fixtures, Wolves away, West Ham at home, Villa away, Luton away, Fulham at home. I mean, one of the best games on paper might be the Villa game if there's space in behind. I just worry about United breaking down other defences. And I think, look, Rashford playing on that favoured side in a bit of form is always going to provide you a little bit of goal threat, which is why I'm even talking about it. Plus, obviously, half the games haven't been played in game week 21. But you'd need, you need to be someone that can accept Man United going back to playing really badly again. I think it's also worth noting that in that game against Spurs, he still came off before Garnacho. So even though he's back in the 11, it still looks like Garnacho is ahead of him um, in the pecking order. So yeah, I think, look, Man United's fixtures on paper aren't that bad. But I still don't think I can fully get behind this pick because he's 8.4 million. It's not like he's cheap. You've got Cole Palmer, Richarlison, Anthony Gordon's about to come into a run of really good fixtures as well. They're all much cheaper than uh, Rashford. And in the case of Palmer and probably Richarlison in the short term, they've got penalties as well. So this is for someone that's looking for an Uber differential. But just keep in mind, 0.26 expected goals per 90, 0.14 expected assists per 90 this season. It ain't great. And I'm not sure if there's going to be a massive improvement, at least in the short term. All right, let's go through some of my other notes from the weekend and just more general thoughts, really, because we're still quite far out from the game week 22 deadline. So Cole Palmer continues to return and continues to be an incredible FPL option. Fair play if you captain him against Fulham because you've already got 10 points in the bag now. You're not worried about what your captain might do uh, the following weekend. And he's actually now got three double-digit hauls in his last four game weeks. So the 10-pointer against Fulham in 21, 18 against Luton the week before. He didn't play against Palace because he was suspended. One-pointer against Wolves, which obviously wasn't great. But the week before that, it was a 14-pointer against Sheffield United. So last four game weeks, if I can quickly do the maths, he's had 38 plus 4, 42 points. So just over 10 points per game average, which is pretty ridiculous considering a lot of people picked him up for 4.9 million. But even if you're picking him up now for 5.8, that is still ridiculous value especially with Nkunku having um, kind of another injury issue. And Palmer is definitely going to keep penalties. He's put too many away for Chelsea at this point to take him off them. And obviously some of those scores are heavily inflated by penalties, but we know he's got that in his locker. And every season there's always someone that gets a few more penalties than 
you know, other players, right? Like Bruno Fernandes, if he'd had as many penalties as Cole Palmer this year, I'm sure we'd be viewing him a little bit differently for FPL. Not quite the same because the price is different, but I don't want to get on to uh, Man United again. In terms of going forward, he's actually got Liverpool and Man City away in the next four game weeks. And if Spurs at home is off in 26, that fixture run doesn't look that great. So again, I wouldn't make any rash decisions on transfers this week because if Palmer's going to blank in 26 and has to play Liverpool and Man City away in the next five game weeks, he's probably someone that I wouldn't look to buy. And again, it's a bit like Richarlison. No one that owns Palmer is looking to sell him anytime soon, but it's a different conversation if you're having to bring him in. And looking at what could happen in 26 and 29 in terms of blanks, there are going to be some difficult decisions that have to be made because I'm looking at Palmer bought for 4.9. There is no way I want to sell him and lose that value. But at some point, someone I don't want to sell is going to have to go. So for now, if you've got him, keep hold of him. If you haven't bought him yet, wait to see what happens in the cup games. Obviously, we're still waiting on Carabao Cup second leg semi-final results to know who's going to blank in game week 26. We've also got the FA Cup fourth round to go as well there's also been some replays so i already spoke last night the west ham um, went out to uh bristol city uh, and wolves also beat brentford as well and that is interesting because in game week 29 the game between burnley and brentford is definitely on because both of those teams are out with the fa cup and obviously therefore they cannot get to the quarterfinals so again that watkins to ivan tony move if watkins is going to blank in 29 and Tony's going to play, and Tony also has the double in 25, that switch could be really good. Whether or not you have to do it in game week 22, probably not, but at some point soon, that might be something that we look at. I mean, just quickly on Brentford, before obviously they play um, this weekend, the fixtures aren't fantastic, to be honest. 22 is Spurs away, then it's Man City at home, then it's Wolves away, then it's Liverpool at home, but obviously they do have that double, Liverpool at home, Man City away. Then it's West Ham away in 26, so they're going to play that week, of course. Chelsea at home in 27, but then it's Arsenal away in 28. That is why I'd want to be really sure about doing Watkins to Tony, because the fixtures overall are just not fantastic. But again, that's something that we can come on to a little bit later. Um, Egypt's last 16 knockout game, presuming that they get through the groups, which they probably will, that will be played before the game week 22 deadline, as far as I'm aware. So it's not just the group stages will get out of the way for the international tournament. Some of the knockout games will be played as well. And look, Egypt are still going to be favourites to kind of go quite far in that tournament. But if they did get knocked out before the 22 deadline, I don't think that Salah would necessarily be back for 22, but we know he'd then be back for 23 onwards. And then the conversation around him changes again. So this is why, look, I don't want to get into a conversation about whether or not you should make early transfers and take the risk on the money and whether it's worth it. But this week in particular has got to be a game week where you try and delay any decisions that you're looking to make. Um, I've put here, will Haaland ever be back? Because this injury he's got continues to be a problem where he's not even in the squad yet for Man City. One thing to briefly think about, right? Don't give this too much brain power over the break, is what if Haaland is not back properly for a while? And what I mean by that is. Since he's been at Man City up until, well, no, actually, since he's been at Man City, he's never been rested for a Premier League game where he's not, either he's not injured, sorry, either he's injured or they've already won the league. Outside of that, he always plays. Now, of course, when the game's won, he does come off early and they get to rest him that way, but he always starts. 
is he going to be a problem when he does return to that squad? Because of the way this injury has happened, and it's obviously seemingly been a struggle to get back, could it be that he gets subbed off much earlier? Could it be that he doesn't start every single game for Man City? We just don't know. And right now, if he's back for Burnley, obviously I want to buy him. But that is something that we've got to consider. So hopefully Pep gives us a little bit more information. I know a lot of people don't trust what Pep says in his press conferences, but actually I think he's quite open. He's definitely better than some other managers in the Premier League. And so if this is going to be a continual problem, I'm not saying that we don't buy Harlem back, but if you're going into game week 25 double, all right, let's say Salah and Harlan are both doubling, and you've got doubts about Harlan, suddenly Salah becomes a much better option. He might be the one that the triple captain goes on. And I think I just think it's going to be an interesting discussion. It's probably not worth getting into too much now because obviously we don't know. He might not even be back for 22. But this is why the next few weeks are going to continually evolve. We're waiting for international tournament results. We're waiting for injury updates. And of course, we're waiting for those cup results as well. Um, Anthony Gordon, goal at the weekend against Man City. Now seven goals, seven assists for the season. Um, I did tweet before that game that I was maybe looking to sell him soon. And to be honest, that is still the case because out of all my midfielders, he's probably the one that I would want to get rid of the most if I needed to bring someone else in. But it is worth pointing out that he's not someone I would force out of my team because Villa away is okay. Right? I wouldn't worry about that from a attacking perspective. Then it's Luton at home, Forest away, Bournemouth at home, next three fixtures. So if you're looking for someone cheap to enable another move soon, I wouldn't completely rule out Anthony Gordon. The numbers have been pretty good all season. Uh, that is, that. if you're watching on video, that's a, a screen that I used on a previous video. So just, I clicked the wrong button. Um, and just, just to end, content thoughts. Obviously, this is the first video I've put out since the game week 21 deadline. I didn't do a stream on Sunday because there'd just be too much conversation around you've got to wait for the cup games, you've got to wait for the international tournaments, which I know has been a theme in this video, but I haven't had to keep going over and over it. Um, I think the plan is this to be the only video this week, and then on Sunday, once all the games are finished for game week 21, or sorry, all of them bar Brighton versus Wolves, I'll probably do the standard knee-jerk stream, Then I put, might put out another one or two videos next week, but the problem is the FA Cup games aren't until the following weekend. So the Premier League games are going to get played this weekend. Then the FA Cup is the weekend after. And the 22 deadline is on Tuesday. So I guess what I'm trying to say is videos are going to be a bit sporadic over the next couple of weeks because I don't want to put videos out for the sake of it. I think this one was fine because primarily I'm talking about players who have done well the previous weekend. And that's what I'll do next weekend. But it's just too much up in the air. Like I can't even do a video on possible double and blank game weeks because the cup results will have so much say in what happens and that has so much say in which players are good to buy and sell so there is going to be a lack of videos over the next couple of weeks but i don't want to put out videos for the sake of having content out there so thanks for sticking with me do subscribe if you haven't already like the video if you've enjoyed it rate five stars if you listen on podcast and i will catch you again soon ish probably on sunday sports social podcast network